How many gods are there? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brandon Bozik, Managing Editor of the Gospel Project, and with me is Aaron Armstrong, our brand manager. How many gods are there? I, I asked this question in my catechism type time with my kids on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. My two oldest kids kind of have this. My youngest one's still struggling a little bit. Really? Okay. Okay. What's his answer? Well, he's still getting con- he he's confused by the whole Trinity thing. Okay. Well, we'll get to that the next yeah. on the next doctrine episode. So, so yeah, he he knows it's one, but then when we start pressing in, he's like, no, but yeah, there's Jesus as a God and God is a God, so there's more than one. Right. Yeah, so it's like, no, son, that's tritheism. That, that's exactly. You're, <laughs> so. you're going to be in a in a very cute video by our Lutheran satire brothers pretty soon if you keep this oh, up. Oh, Patrick. Oh, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't you go ahead and get us started before we go further on a detour. All right. And go ahead and read the essential right. doctrine as it appears in our materials. Sure, absolutely. So here is what, the, what our 99 Essentials says in answer to this question. Caleb, are you listening? Listen, son. Listen to Mr. Aaron here. All right. He might actually listen to me more than he listens to hey, you. I so. wouldn't doubt him. Yeah. All right. So the Bible affirms that God is one as seen in Deuteronomy chapter uh, verse chapter 6, verses 4 and 9, otherwise known as the Shema. Um, in both the Old and New Testaments, the advocacy of monotheism, that is the belief in one God, was contrary to the surrounding culture. Where most cultures practiced polytheism, or the belief in multiple gods, or henotheism, which is the worship of one God while also believing in multiple gods, um, the, the people of God knew, based upon God's self-revelation, that Yahweh, the Lord, is the only one true God. Full stop. Full stop. So, I mean, right now, if we just kind of summarize that, we would say this doctrine in its simplicity is there is one and only one God, which is easy in of itself. Yes. If we don't get ahead of ourselves. Yes. And think of, oh, the Trinity, as we've already mentioned. And then some other things that we see in in Scripture, too, because we see, you know, depending on your translation, depending on how you understand, like depending on what's chosen, what words are chosen there, you see like God of gods and and things like this. You do see false gods referenced as gods um, as well, um, receiving worship. But there are some interesting things there with those in that they tend to not do anything. Yeah, and, and that's where you can parse the capital G, lowercase g kind of thinking. And, yeah. Um, but when it comes to understanding the one true God, I, th- I think this doctrine, when we boil it down simply and we don't push beyond it, mm-hmm. it's not that complicated. There, no. There's one God. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we see that. And so where we see this in Scripture we see this all over the place in Scripture. I mean, yes. we, I already mentioned Deuteronomy 6.4, which says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, Isaiah 45.5 um, is another prophecy that that says, says this, and this is the Lord speaking. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. That right there should be yeah. enough, but it keeps going. So, And it being Scripture. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 8, 4, jumping into the New Testament. 
Paul is writing, he says about eating food sacrificed to idols, then we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no God but one. First mm-hmm. uh, Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. And then James 2, 19, speaking of the, the demons, it says, you believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Right. So notice that even... Even those opposed to God, the <laughs> demonic realm even understands this doctrine. There right. is one God and only one God. All the other idols are false gods. Everything else is not real. Mm-hmm. There's only one true God. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that just as an aside, we should always remember when we think about, um, and we'll get to this probably a little more when we actually start talking about angels and demons and mm-hmm. things like this somewhere down the road. Um When we get there, though, that it's helpful to remember that in a weird, twisted way, demons have better theology than we do. Yeah. Because they actually know. And it's it's an important distinction between knowing versus trusting and believing. Correct. That it's not about knowledge. Even the demons have this incredible knowledge greater than most of us have. Right. And so when James here in this aside says, even the demons believe and they shudder, it's... Um, it, it really is more of that knowledge type. Yes. It's not a faith base. Yes, it's not exactly. a trust. It's um, not a love for. It's just, yeah, they, they believe it because they've they seen yeah. him. And it's, it's, it's indisputable. <laughs> yeah. They, they can't dispute it. Right. All right. So let's talk about cautions that we need to be aware of as we look to understand this doctrine. We've yeah. already intimated the first one. Yes, absolutely. The first is um, that... Uh, is is really this relationship between how Scripture can say that God, who we normally, when we use the word God, we normally are referring to God the Father, yeah. how God the Father can be God while also the Holy Spirit can be God. And Jesus, can, who is the Son of God, can also be God. How are all three able to be God? But they're only to be one yeah. God, and so this is the this is the doctrine of the Trinity, um, and we're going to actually be talking about that um, next week. Yeah, and and we won't resolve this. This is this is a uh, not a mystery. Mystery is usually reserved in Scripture for something that was hidden, revealed. But yeah, it, it's a it's a riddle to us. Yeah, um, of how this can coexist, we can't really answer it. We'll talk next week more about it. Yeah, but for now, the important idea is that. We can't. These are not in opposition to one another. No, absolutely. This does not disallow the doctrine of the Trinity, nor does the doctrine of the Trinity disallow this doctrine of God being one. Right. It's 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 a mystery. Yes. It's a it, 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 So we just have to understand that. The the second thing is, and I'm guilty of this all the time. Mm. Um, we can be clumsy with our words, with our language, so often unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, this this really, how we talk about God being one, um, you know, even in our curriculum, for example, there will be times that we will say something to the effect of, and Jesus asked the, ask God. Yes. Well, technically, that's being a little bit clumsy. Yes, it is. Uh, to be precise, we would say Jesus asked the Father or the Son asked the Father because they're, mm-hmm. Jesus is God. It's, right. So we could say God asked God. Yes. So, but there are times it just, you know, we can be clumsy in times. It's hard to be accurate without being really verbose. So we want to be gracious to, with one another. But at the same time, we want to try to understand when we may be using weak language and can correct it. And we just want to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that's theirs is really how do you refer 
to two two persons of the Trinity, and really, how do you um, when they're acting? But also, how do you how do you deal with that at the same time? So is so really another way to say it is is God He or they? Yeah. So um, if we were saying the Father and Son were there, yes. Do we? He was there. They well, and it's and it's that mystery again. Yeah. There's so much here that um, is really difficult because we have to we have to we're trying to hold back because we don't we're not ready like we need a little more time to talk about the trinity itself yeah. but these two are um just like we've talked about with the imminence and the transcendence of god that the the relatability the nearness and the distinction from the rest of creation um that exists within god these two doctrines are inseparable from yeah. one another they they um they inform the picture um, that exists of God. And in fact, the oneness of God actually speaks to the transcendence of yes. God, which we talked about last week, that this one God is so high and above and different and bigger and more glorious and wonderful than yeah. us that we can't understand it. And that's why, I mean, honestly, we're having a lot of trouble talking about this in in a way that is satisfying. Yeah, it, and it's so simple. Yeah. But it, see, I think this is, I can't think off the top of my head, Aaron, you you can think yeah. with me. I can't think of a single doctrine that stands in isolation. No. I, they all feed into one another. They're dependent on one another, at least to a degree. But there are certain ones like this and the Trinity, mm-hmm. the eminence and transcendence that are even more Right. Dependent on one another. Absolutely. And I mean, we'll get there again with um, the holiness of God and the love of God. Yeah. And yeah. and basically any care, any any piece of God's nature, all of these flow together. Yeah. Um, so I think the other area that we have or um, well, that's the cautions. Let's move on to the difference that, that this doctrine should make. Mm-hmm. What is one way that this should make a difference in, in, in our lives as, as believers? Aaron? Right. Well, one thing is, is that really this doctrine speaks to the uniqueness of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, because when our essential doctrine write-up says that monotheism or the belief that there's one God um, was unique in the time of God's people— we should really understand that's not unique. That's unique now yep. too. Um, we live in a we live in what's called a pluralistic society. So there's the belief in many gods and no gods, um, all at the same time. Um, every every option is valid except for the exclusive ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's an important distinction here is that the Christian faith is um, radically exclusive about who God is. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also, and this is just as an aside, it's also radically inclusive about who's welcomed in. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's a key thing. But, um, one thing that this doctrine does is it, it does force us to wrestle with a black and white truth. Either Christianity is true or um, and all other religions are false, or Christianity is false, and and um, 
some or all other religions are true. Yeah, another religion might be able to claim we're good with Christianity. We'll pull that under our umbrella. Right. And but Christianity cannot do that exactly. with anything else. Exactly. And so um, so there's one religion in particular that I'm thinking of that actually does try to do that. Um, and it's not Mormonism. Um, um, interestingly, Mormonism um, in its earliest days, um, which – also, by the way, does not affirm the Trinity. Um, it does not if, if affirm, affirm the eternality of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. They are um, distinct beings in that in in that faith set in that in that religion. Um, is the but the one I'm thinking of is the Baha'i faith, and so the Baha'is believe that um, every 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 major religious figure is an equally valid manifestation of God with a message from God for the world at that particular time, even if they contradict one another. Mm. And so um, so we we had some friends who, who were Baha'is um, when we were in our early 20s, fairly new to our faith. Um, and so they were immediately trying to to evangelize us in a religion that's a not is supposed to be a non proselytizing religion, um, but they had pamphlets about Jesus about Christianity and the Baha'i faith and how they work together. the The gist of it is is that basically they um, is that their founder Baha'u'llah is enough like Jesus that. He basically counts <laughs> as the return of Christ. Um, and it's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> so we had lots of good conversations about that. And but it was it was really challenging because it's a it's a pluralistic yes. um, really um, that we used that word henotheism before um, believing in one God while um, like worshiping one God while believing in, in many. many gods. And in many ways, although that best describes certain segments of um, uh, Hinduism, <laughs> um, really it, it could even be, be um, applied to that religion as well. Yeah, so. and and it you know broadly you could argue that's kind of the gist of a lot of the thinking of the American culture. They mm-hmm. they may not go that far with those those classifications and labels, but think about it. The idea is well, you believe in what you're going to believe. I believe in what I and I'll yeah. I'll, I have to give yours credibility. Right. I have to acknowledge credibility until you cross the line like Christianity and become exclusive. Yeah. Then I've got a problem with it. So our culture tends to be in this, whether the belief system is a formal religion or a a personal belief system or a non-belief. Yes. Hey, I'm okay. I'm, I don't believe in a God. Yeah. But I'm okay. I think you have validity believing in a God. Sure. That works for you. So yeah. that's kind of the heartbeat of our culture today as well, which which is why when we stand for Christ and the true gospel, we are countering this and we need to do it with with conviction, but also we need to do it in a way that we are showing the aroma of Christ, not being ugly about it and, right. and, and argumentative and, and debating. Uh, we need to try to be winsome yeah. in, in our conversations with people. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the other difference this doctrine makes, getting back to, again, the, the doctrine of God being one, is that it, it ought to impact our worship because yeah. kinda, it kind of goes with what I was just saying. I think a lot of us in the church, we fall into this trap 
of worshiping little G gods, not in terms of little idols or anything, but there are many things in our lives. Um, wealth, possessions, mm-hmm. career, family, that we would not be as crass to say, yeah, I worship my family, but we value them and functionally we worship them. Right. Uh, and so this doctrine reminds us uh, our worship is to be pure and that God alone is the object of our worship and nothing else can be worshiped no matter what that worship looks like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it is – the reality of this is that there is going – you're going to – as you dig deeper into it, as you explore it more fully, as you embrace it um, more fervently, um, if that's the best word to use um, – I'm having one of those days, but, <laughs> um, but however you want, however, however we want, want to describe this as, as you see this reality that there is one God, one of the things that it should do is in our worship, it should, it should also recognize that it, um, that we don't get to de- define him. Yeah. He defines himself for us. And so we need to embrace that and rejoice in in that. And it's going to cause us tension. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to end because it sets us up to listen to the next episode where we're going to talk more about this tension of, of God being one in three persons. Mm-hmm. And what you just said is critical that God defines himself. Yeah. Uh, we struggle to understand him in this way. And this is him reminding, no, no, no. It's based on who I am um, and, and, and who I define myself as. And you come to terms with that not pull you, not us pulling him down to a level we understand, which we're going to talk about. That happens when we try to explain the Trinity a lot. Absolutely. So let's let's wrap up there. Uh, yeah. Or else we'll just keep recording this and it'll become that episode on the Absolutely. Trinity. Absolutely. But we so got to say yeah, We got to stop it right there. All right. Cease and desist. So we're going to stop. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast and a little bit of next week's. Apparently we got ahead of ourselves. But if you have enjoyed this episode, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus on your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. 